0: Have you ever read something that didn't sound right or didn't make sense? You know, something that was a little off. Maybe, maybe a warning label on a product. Share a few warning labels I came across. First one's on a baby stroller. The warning label said, please remove child before folding. <laughs> Probably just a little note for nervous new dads. Want to make sure they don't, they don't miss that important point. Smart. How about this one on a package of fireplace logs? The warning said, caution, risk of fire. You don't want to take that kind of risk in your fireplace, so be be careful with those logs. How about this one, a warning on a a hairdryer? It said, do not use while sleeping. I've actually seen this before, and and it's a little scary for someone to be completely asleep yet drying their hair. So that's a pretty good warning. This one I love, though. A package of dog medication had this warning. May cause drowsiness. Use caution when driving a car. (laughs) That that would be a little rough. (laughs) I got them all day i From time to time, we read things that, that don't make sense. They just don't. Either they don't make sense because they actually don't make sense, or they don't make sense because it's something that we don't understand, you know, like, like calculus or a TV show on the Bravo channel, you know, just something that makes absolutely no sense. And then there's other times that we read something and it doesn't make sense because we just can't think. We are are so overwhelmed that we see the words, we understand the words, but but the words don't make any sense to us because we just can't think. We are overwhelmed. We are stressed out. We are confused. We are frustrated. We are emotionally paralyzed. So what do we do in in that moment? What do we do in that moment when all of those things are pressing down? Well, there is something we can do. And at first glance, when we see it, it, it's not going to make sense. It's going to be one of those things that we go, What what does that mean? I, I don't understand. But what we're about to read is ultimately the answer for every single moment of your life. Every moment. The good and the bad, the happy and the sad, the high and the low, win and lose. Sickness and health, sweetness and stress, even life and death. That sounds like something pretty big. So, so what is it that we're about to read that has that much power? Well, let's find out. Listen to Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. The Apostle Paul writes, rejoice. Rejoice. Rejoice when life doesn't make sense. Rejoice when you are physically exhausted. Rejoice when you are mentally confused. Rejoice when you are spiritually frustrated. Rejoice when you are emotionally paralyzed. Now, some of you are already checking out. You're like, man, you got to be kidding me. Rejoice when my life is falling apart. Rejoice when I'm completely stressed out. Rejoice when I'm in the middle of the the worst moment of life. Rejoice? That that sounds crazy. Rejoicing when things are tough or confusing or overwhelming or devastating, it doesn't make sense at first glance. I mean, mean, how? When when life is falling apart, how can we rejoice? Well, we can't unless we see the rest of the sentence. Look what Paul says next. Rejoice... In the Lord, The only way you can rejoice when life is falling apart is if you rejoice in the Lord. You're not rejoicing in your life falling apart. You're not rejoicing in the fact that you're completely stressed out. You're not rejoicing in the worst moment of your life. Paul's not saying rejoice in the actual circumstance. He's saying in the middle of the actual circumstance, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. But if you don't know the Lord, you you can't rejoice in Him. In other words, if, if you're not a Christian, then the best shot you have when life is falling apart is to pull on some temporary happiness. Something that will make you happy for a little bit. Something you might eat or drink or take. Something you might watch. Somebody you might run to. But here's the problem with all of those things. They can be exhausted. They're, they're temporary help, but they can't bring joy. They can't bring true, real, lasting joy because they can be exhausted. And somebody might say, hey, no big deal. Man, I, I know a 24-hour place. Man, you can get everything you want over there. No problem. Okay. But eventually, you're, you're going to get tired, you know or you're going to lack the courage to time after time after time go to the 24-hour place and keep getting something that only gives you temporary help. Just a a moment or a few hours or a few days of happiness. Somebody else might say, it's fine, I don't need a 24-hour place. I'll just go hunting. I'll just go fishing. I'll just go golfing. I'll just go shopping. I'll just go pedicure and, you know, I'll start knitting something. I'll, I'll go out in the shop and start doing some woodwork and I'll, I'll just work my way through everything. Again, that's fine, but temporary happiness is it's a temporary help because eventually you'll have to stop those things and, and go to sleep at least for a little while. There's, there's not a person and there's not a thing in this world that can bring you true, real, lasting joy because everyone and everything can be exhausted. They can run out. And true joy, lasting joy, by definition, is something that cannot run out. It cannot be exhausted. It cannot change. It is there constantly. It's not temporary. It's both eternal and constant. So, where do we find that joy? Well, this is what God said to the prophet Malachi. Malachi 3.6, for I, the Lord, do not change. The one true living God is immutable. He is unchanging. He cannot be exhausted. He does not run out. And so because of Him being the only being like that, that means He's the only source of true joy. See, every other thing in life will be exhausted and run out. It's temporary, but not the Lord God of Israel. He has a supernatural joy that cannot be exhausted because He cannot be exhausted. Holy, holy, holy is only the Lord God Almighty. And how has God most dramatically and clearly displayed this joy? to you, and to me, and to every other person in the world? Well, the message from the sky keeps echoing out to every generation. It goes like this. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Salvation in Jesus Christ is God's perfect, amazing, inexhaustible, unchanging source of joy. No matter how many different things you might find at the 24-hour store, they will run out, but not Jesus. Your spouse, your kids, your parents, your BFF, your, your doctor, your pastor, your favorite actor, your favorite athlete, they are all exhaustible. They can be exhausted, and they change, but not Jesus. Hebrews 13, verse 8 says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So Jesus is God's way to bring us constant, eternal, true, everlasting joy that never runs out, that cannot be changed, that cannot be exhausted. So if you don't know Jesus, then you will not be able to rejoice in the Lord and you will not be able to have real, true, lasting joy. You see, by by definition, sin estrains us from God. We're separated from God. And that separation cannot be fixed by us. We can't go to the 24-hour store to fix it. But Jesus endured the cross and all of its shame so that our story can change, so that the penalty of our sin that separates us from God can be exchanged for His righteousness. So if you have not repented and you have not turned from sin and received Christ, we plead with you to do that today, even now, in your own heart and your own mind, that you would cry out to God to save and rescue you because the only way that you can have true, lasting joy is in Jesus, in his salvation. But, but how? Why is that? That true joy can only be found in Christ. Well, we sang about it a little earlier in the service. We sang this, the son of heaven rose again. Oh, trampled death, where is your sting? The angels roar. For Christ the King. If you are in Christ, your death has been trampled. That's that's astounding. If you are in Christ because Jesus conquered death, because he rose from the grave, that means that you have already and you will conquer death and you will live with him forever. And friend, that is a reason to rejoice. To rejoice in the, Lord, in the Lord because our death has been trampled. Or, or maybe think of Horatio Spafford. Here's a man who lost his children in a tragic accident. He, he understood completely what it means for your life to fall apart. What it means for you to be in the worst moment of your life. And yet as he was writing his response... To his pain. These are the words he wrote. My sin. Oh, the bliss. But this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole. It's nailed to the cross. I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. He wasn't writing rejoicing in the tragedy in his family. But in the middle of the tragedy in his family, he was rejoicing in the Lord. Paul's not saying rejoice in your actual circumstance. He's saying in the middle of your actual circumstance, rejoice in the Lord. We don't rejoice in the evil things that we hear in the news We don't rejoice in our own sin. We don't rejoice in the sin of our spouse or our kids or our parents or our grandparents or our friends or our grandkids. We we don't rejoice in sin. We don't rejoice in every little thing that happens in the school, every little thing that happens in the workplace, every little thing that happens in the hospital, every little thing that happens in the nation, not even every little thing that happens in the church. We don't rejoice in, in every little thing, but, but in the middle of all of those things, we can fight the good fight to rejoice in the Lord. Why? Because in the middle of all of that stuff, like Horatio Spafford, we can say, oh, oh yeah, my sin, I bear it no more. I am free in Christ And no spouse, and no child, and no grandchild, and no parent, and no school, and no job, and no workplace, and no hospital, and no stress, and no strain, and no nation, and nothing else in all the world can change that I am free in Christ. That's why we rejoice. We rejoice because we are free in Jesus. Now, some might be thinking, that sounds great. It sounds wonderful, but I, I just can't. I, I just, I don't feel like rejoicing. You just don't know what I'm in the middle of. You don't know my circumstance. You, you don't know how hard things are. If that's you, then, then Paul has an encouraging word for you. Look what he says next. Rejoice in the Lord always. You might be thinking, "Well, that's not encouraging." I just told you I don't feel like doing it, and now you're telling me I do it all the time. It's funny, but but it is actually encouraging. It, it sounds like Paul's talking crazy, but but he really is speaking truth here. Yeah, he did say, "Rejoice in the Lord always." Does that mean we're just supposed to go around with a smile on our face all the time? A pep in our step, a, a gleam in our eye and, and wear like seven different color t-shirts that say, too blessed to be stressed. I mean, just every day, all day. No. No, we, we just can't. No, we can't. We, we can't in every single moment of life just, just smile and act like nothing's happening. And, and Paul's not even calling us to do that, but he is calling us in the moment that we can't smile to keep fighting for joy in the Lord. To keep fighting for for this joy that we have in Christ. Now, what gives Paul the right to say that to any of us? Well, Luke was writing about a moment in Paul's life, and, and this is what he said, Acts chapter 16. The crowd rose up together against them, And the chief magistrates tore their robes off them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. When they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, fastened their feet in the stocks. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. Publicly embarrassed. Their clothes were stripped off of them. They were brutally beaten. Then they were thrown into jail. They were chained up and shackled. And around midnight, when most of us would be passed out with pain and hurt, Paul and Silas, they're, they're kind of leaning back on the wall. You can kind of hear their, their chains rattle a little bit. And their eyes might be closed, but, but they're just, you know, Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise His name forever. And the other other inmates, what's going on? The guards. For endless days we will sing your praise, oh Lord, oh Lord our God. That, That was their response to being beaten, to being embarrassed. Being thrown in jail and shackled, they, they weren't going to be able to go anywhere. If, if we're honest, we're in the woe is me thing, but, but they were just singing songs to God. So how are your songs to God going during the week? Just maybe think back on this week. When the nurse told you how long it would be before you could get an appointment with a doctor, you know. I mean, January 2028, 20, you know. How, how was your song to God? When you saw gas prices shoot up this week, how was your song to God? When you specifically said no pickles and you get through the drive-thru and the burgers got pickles, how, how was your song to God? It's not a guilt trip because we're all going to have our moments. But, but truthfully, Paul, Paul has a lot of right to say, hey, you know what? rejoice in the Lord always he's he's practice what he's preaching he's not just posting cute kitten posters with Christian quotes on it He's, he's fighting the good fight to have joy in his salvation and in Christ and he's fighting to do it all the time he's fighting to do it always about 600 years before Paul there was a prophet named Habakkuk Habakkuk could not look around his nation and find anything to rejoice over. The leaders were crooked. The laws were ignored. The people were immoral. Rival nations were threatening to rise up against them. That's just a reminder when you watch the news this week. There is nothing new under the sun. That's the truth of the Bible. So Habakkuk, he, he had nothing to look around and rejoice over. So, so how did he respond to God's message that the country was really going to be attacked and taken over? This is his response. Habakkuk 3.17. I'm reading this from the King James. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the field and there shall be no herd in the stalls. In other words, when everything falls apart. And this was his response. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. That's why I like the King James there. It doesn't sound right. It sounds like bad grammar. I will joy. I love that bad grammar. That's good. I will joy. I said, I'm going to do is I, I, I will joy. Habakkuk says, you know, everything is getting ready to fall apart, and, and I'm going to end up in what's going to feel like the worst moment of my life. But what he was going to do was what he was already doing because every day he was fighting the fight to rejoice in the Lord. So he wasn't going to do anything different. He was going to keep rejoicing in the Lord. Jeff Thomas said this, yesterday's joy is a day late for today. If I could flesh that out for you, I I promise you, you will not be encouraged if you wait to listen to us sing or me preach next Sunday. You can't wait that long. Yesterday's joy is a day late for today, so today we must fight for joy in our salvation. Now those are two real-life stories from two real-life people from God's Word. And and here's a a real-life story from someone a little closer to our time. Hannah Greaser wrote a book, the name of the book is The Clouds Ye So Much Dread, Hard Times and the Kindness of God. She and her husband Jason have five boys and seven years ago their son Jonah was diagnosed with cancer. This is what she wrote. In our fallen world, children get cancer. This is certainly cause enough to grieve, to weep and to meditate upon our mortality. But, she says, answer me this, is it less fitting to smile as those same children ride down hospital hallways on their IV poles like scooters, spinning around and bumping into other kids doing the same until they are left dying of laughter? In other words, that's the small way of saying, in the middle of everything being terrible, is it wrong to smile? Is is it wrong to laugh? On one of the days that they were in the hospital and Jonah was getting chemo, the, the following moment happened. She says it like this. On an early morning before one of his dozens of monthly spinal taps, my Jonah spent a comfortable hour surrounded with expensive gifts from a local nonprofit. Nurses hovered around his bed bringing extra pillows and freshly worn blankets and other staff set up games for him to play on an iPad. But when the anesthesiologist and oncologist walked in with a tray of medications and syringes, all the pampering came to a halt. As Jonah gave back the iPad and watched the propofol being attached to his IV, he raised his arm with his index finger, extended, and announced, First they treat me like a king, then they stab me in the back. She goes on. The entire room exploded with laughter. Jonah's arm dropped and he slipped into chemical sleep while the rest of us continued to chuckle. Now, you might say, well, that's just a funny moment from a kid with a good attitude. What does that have to do with rejoicing in the Lord? My Hannah goes on. Sometimes I realize the only difference between a tragedy and a comedy is a few juicy similes. And the perspective of the storyteller. And perspective is exactly what Christians should have. Because God has given us a glimpse of the bigger picture and of the joy that awaits us on the other side of our sorrows. While the world may sink into despair or attempt to heal the wound lightly with empty sentiments, the gospel is true good news. And then she said this. Christ passed through death ahead of us and stripped it of its sting so that in him, even the grave is safe. Resting in the promises of God frees us to weep as those who have hope and to laugh whenever he brings comic relief. How can a Christian... Rejoice when it's all fallen apart how can a Christian rejoice in the worst moment of life because we have this promise through the blood and through the resurrection of Jesus that in him even the grave is safe even the grave is safe Paul adds something to his sentence listen to the last part of verse 4 Again, I will say, rejoice. <laughs> it's like in case I was confusing with the first sentence, let me just repeat it. It's, it's a big deal. Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I will say, rejoice. Many of you know that last week my dad um, had, a, had a heart attack. He was in ICU for four days. Uh, thank you so much for your prayers for him and for our family and uh, please forgive me if I missed your email or your phone call or, or your text message. It's it's been a been a wild ten or twelve days. Uh, my dad's home now, and um, we we have already been in some some hard conversations with medical professionals about uh, what could be a new normal, and uh, and it's been a it's been a tough week of conversations. But but I would just like to say I'm so proud of my parents. They. Uh, they bounce back really quick after a couple of hard days of, of talks uh, and just really have such a good attitude about just taking next steps. Uh, and at 84, and my mom will be 85 next week, um, I'm learning a lot uh, from just their wisdom and their willingness just to, just to press on uh, and to trust the Lord. You know, uh, I've said this before, and, and I just I want to repeat it now that... Um, There's a difference between Jonah's story and and my dad's. See, a child getting cancer is not a normal hardship. It's a unique stress. It's a unique suffering. And it takes unique prayer and unique love. Parents aging, it's it's a normal hardship. Doesn't make it any less stressful. But, But it's a normal hardship. The difficulty is real. It still takes unique prayer, unique love, unique time. But it's something that most all of us will face and all of our children will face. And so I share that as as a, a picture of, of something to help us think as as I share a few more things here in just a second. So my dad's heart attack was on a Thursday. So Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Man, I really struggled. To rejoice in the Lord, I, mean, I really struggled. I, I don't think I was was frightened or or was uncomfortable with death because I really believe that Jesus makes even the grave safe for those who are in Christ. I believe that, but you know, I just think I was completely overwhelmed—not with death, but with life. My sisters and I, we. We were camped out at the hospital, you know, trying to do everything we could to to care for our parents, and and yet at the same time, nothing in our lives stopped. (laughs) Some of you have been in this moment, you're in this moment, if not, this moment's coming. See, nothing in my active young family stopped because my dad had a heart attack. (laughs) Nothing at this church, the pastoral needs, the business needs, the, the medical needs, the health, nothing at this church stopped. Nothing stopped at my parents' house, the things that needed to be done there. Nothing stopped just because my dad had a heart attack. And I would just like to say that, that I'm so thankful for, for my family. I'm so thankful for our amazing staff here at the church. So thankful for you. And in your bulletin, it says ministers, and the first line says every church member. Thank you for living up to that more and more week after week. Thank you for becoming a church of pastors. Thankful for my mom and dad's church, First Baptist North Augusta, my home church. They've been great to them. Thankful for great neighbors. Just so thankful for so many people, doctors, nurses, you name it. So thankful for all the people who have helped. But even though nothing in my life stopped, I was stopped. Mentally, emotionally, I I just, I couldn't think. And I was struggling to find strength in the Lord. So then Saturday night came, and my friend Pat from ICU, they were going to allow Pat to go back and, and stay with her husband, Don. They, they don't let you do that in ICU, but, but they had worked it out. She was going to get to go stay back there in the back. Don's funeral is this afternoon at 3. Uh, he's a strong believer, so his faith is now sight. But when you're in the ICU waiting room, you become a family. And Pat, going back to stay with Don that night, changed everything in the ICU waiting room because all of their kids were going to leave and go home for the night. <laughs> I was going to be alone. <laughs> I was the only dude in the ICU waiting room. So I'm all overwhelmed. I can't think straight. Man, I'm, and I'm just alone. So about, I don't know, 2 o'clock in the morning, I, I laid out the the you know the chair that turns into not a bed, but you know it's kind of a bed. And uh, so I laid down, and I don't know, about 30 minutes later, I guess, I guess I fell asleep. And then I woke up a few hours later, and, and the sun was just coming up. And when I woke up, the first thing in my mind was the words of Psalm 27:1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. It, it was just, it was immediate. It was the first thing. It came into my head. And I sat there alone in the waiting room. I grabbed my phone. I turned on my music. And the first thing that popped up on my music was Shane and Shane singing what we sang earlier. Holy, holy, holy. Only thou art holy. There is none beside thee. And in that moment, in an instant, the darkness Lifted. And I was able to rejoice in the Lord again. Will I have another moment or a few days like that again in life? <laughs> I hope not. But, but I might. In fact, I probably will. And what will I need to do? Same thing I did for those three days. I just kept praying. I, I kept fighting to find that joy that I knew was there. Didn't feel it. Wasn't feeling like doing it. Didn't like the circumstance, but I kept fighting the fight to rejoice always because I know why I'm rejoicing. And you know, later on, some days when I'm fighting that fight, it'll look like I'm fighting the fight. (laughs) And other days, it'll look like I'm mad at pickles, you know. It won't look like I'm even trying to rejoice. But dear Christian, let me encourage you with this. Our God who is rich in mercy, because of his great love for us, will keep invading our hearts again and again and again to help us see that in Christ, even the grave is safe. And if that's true, then we can keep fighting and we can keep heeding those sweet words. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice.